Okay, let's begin. I am Lanice Antoine Shelley, and I'll be your host through constructive, healing-based conversations designed to illuminate the adoptee, parents, and the adoption curious. We center the topics around community, mentorship, leadership, and healing, so you get a multi-dimensional view that is ultimately empowering. These are the voices who could not speak when they were young. Okay, before we get into it, I wanted to share with you some new offerings. We've just partnered with Isaac Edder's company called Identity, who provides adoption consulting and short practical guide pamphlets, a practical guide to transracial adoption and a practical guide to black hair care. As a listener, you get 15% off. Just click the link in the show notes where you can find all references and hot topics that are talked about in each episode. And since you're listening, I just wanted to thank those of you who've rated and reviewed this podcast, because every five-star click helps remind these platforms that our work matters and helps me keep going. So those of you who are getting so much out of these conversations and have taken the 30 seconds to write a positive takeaway, I see you and I thank you. Those who haven't yet, now is the time, my love. Let's talk about it on Instagram after you go ahead and click five stars and write a review. Hello there, fam. How is your heart? I haven't been sleeping very well these days, but I'm actually feeling pretty good, pretty level-headed today. I have allowed time for some radical relaxation between bouts of working, and that has made all of the difference. That means completely unplugging and doing something that brings me pure joy, like listening to my audiobooks while I'm on my bike. I'm so elated to introduce you to today's guest, who has one of the gentlest spirits I've ever encountered. Moses Farrow is a very active activist and longtime family therapist. In today's mindful conversation, Moses gives some actionable steps to reconnecting with who you truly are, and the work that is required to do just that. Let's get to it. Hello. Hello, hello Lenise. Let me turn my camera on. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Moses. Hello. Great to meet you. Great to meet you as well. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me on this. I'm so excited to get to it. Can we talk about your photography and family therapy? Because I'm really interested in in how those blend in your life and how they've informed your adoption uh, journey and your healing process. Yes, uh, I'd be happy to tell you a bit about my journey. Um, I uh, have been working as a uh, marriage and family therapist for about 20 years. Uh, it's probably over 20 years at this point. Um, that's what I've been uh, trained in. Um, and it's been really a professional journey, but also a personal journey within. Um, and that's one of the 
really wonderful things that came out of my experience in my program in graduate school was being um, oriented to take a look within myself and that being a cornerstone to how I do therapy now, um, uh, where I focus so much on the therapeutic relationship. Mm-hmm. And along my, my uh, career, I uh, made some uh, deliberate choices uh, to work in community programs. Uh, so interacting, interfacing with school systems and court, uh, court systems and, um, and other kind of community service providers. And that gave me a really wonderful foundation uh, to really get this sense of how things work, how we collaborate, um, and seeing some really amazing results uh, when we come together uh, to support each other, to support our families, our children. Um, so uh, I then was invited to work for an adoption agency. Um, and that really, it just was like a professional and personal pivot for me to really uh, come back to myself um, as well as remain in the field and continue to work with uh, children and families um, as a therapist. So I ran a post-adoption center and we uh, did workshops and trainings uh, for professionals and parents and I offered post-adoption support and counseling and uh, we even had a summer program for adopted youth. And um, it was really with, with that uh, experience that I really started to dive into the program development piece, marketing, how, how to pull things together um, uh, to um, build awareness, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so up until that point, I was like, you know, an amateur photographer. I was taking pictures of my kids. It was really uh, the, the birth of my son, was, you know, uh, a number of years ago at this point, um, where I was like, I want to get a camera in an iMac and <laughs> really want to dive into photography. So, um, but it really exploded. Uh when I was able to run this program and really be interested and passionate about how to build awareness, how to connect with people, how to get the message out there um, and really uh, work on that outreach, which involved, uh, you know, developing our website and uh, brochures and flyers. And um, so getting um, a whole lot more experience uh, using a camera and taking pictures and um and uh from there uh it really like ran uh parallel with each other my photography and my therapy work where my photography i developed uh what you know what i called photography with a purpose 
this is really important to me not no not not just to take pictures but to have it uh connected with some meaningful purpose uh so uh i uh had been invited to uh cover events um uh with the national brain tumor society uh i have uh you know taken personal portraits um of families but uh that evolved into um uh doing professional headshots and primarily people who are doing some good in the world you know so of other therapists or um other um uh, authors and uh influencers and so having that photography with a purpose really mattered to me um at the, at the same time continuing to work as a therapist and um uh from the agency that i worked at uh it's been um uh over the last 10 years or so really diving into the adoption experience and specifically the adoptee experience you know my experience your experience uh and pulling out um what is really going on and so where i am today lenise i talk a whole lot about adoption trauma mm. and you know i look at uh the, the just multitude of layers right mm-hmm. the the many many layers that we must unpack as adoptees mm-hmm. and so today i work with a lot of uh, adoptive families i work with a lot of um adopt uh adoptive parents as well as adoptees and really just helping them come out of the fog so to speak mm-hmm. helping them identify oh here's what's going on here here's what is um uh uh the trauma responses um you know so it's all um been this uh amazing journey uh where today it's like i've i've needed to work on myself to do what i do uh explore and uh embark on my own journey of healing my own traumas uh, so yeah Well I I love what you have to say about coming back to the self and I've been doing that this past year and in order to do this work in modeling the possibilities for adoptees and healing I have to do the work first. Mm-hmm. What are some mm-hmm. actionable steps that you can give the listeners to come back to their self to begin the work for those who haven't started? Hey, I want to share with you something that has changed my life. It's more like someone, my therapist. Why is she so important? Well, because I want to win in this life. I want to break through the carousel of stories I've compiled that hold me back, that keep me from expanding into my full potentiality. Stories of unworthiness, not enoughness, and even stories of questioning why I am here. 
I also want to stop dumping my unsorted feelings on the people around me and reacting with the same behavioral patterns that keep me stuck. Conversations with my therapist have made me more confident, clearer in my intention, and more centered in my spirit. That is why I am elated that we are sponsored by BetterHelp, where you can, from wherever you happen to be right now, match with a therapist tailored to your exact needs. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. Someone who you can text at any time and schedule online for either a chat, Zoom, or phone call. And if it turns out that your therapist isn't the right fit, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional cost. Visit the link in the show notes, betterhelp.com, when they were young, to get 10% off the first month. You need to click the link in the show notes in order to get the 10% discount. I want to see you win, beloved. Let's do it together. Visit the link, betterhelp.com, when they were young. So, um, actionable steps, uh, where what you just said, how do we explore ourselves? How do we reconnect with ourselves? Um, and it, it's, uh, leading with curiosity. It's leading with intention. What I can say about myself is I began to ask why, why, why does this keep happening? Why do I keep finding myself repeating the same feelings or the same patterns? Uh, why am I finding myself in the same situations when I'm not in the same uh, set of circumstances? Um, and it's that piece of uh, curiosity and asking okay, am I at a point where I'm wanting to figure this out? Am I at a point where I am done with being stuck and having things keep coming back around? Um, And so uh, what's been helpful for me um, is one, surround myself with others who are in a similar stage as I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, you get that sense of, I'm not alone in this. There's others who are struggling, who are finding out about themselves, able to share and say, ah, and feel validated. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel, you know, that is a really important thing is to find others, be connected with them. Um, and really offer support and be there uh, as you go through that stage in your journey. Mm. Um, the other is to seek professional help. Um, that's been in, important, again, to be connected with somebody uh, and have a certain sense of uh, safe space, if you will, you know, a safe therapeutic space. Mm-hmm. where you can say and feel and think anything um, in that, for, for myself, in that realm of exploring 
all different facets, all the different sides of this adoptee experience that we have and not feel like, oh, it's not okay to have these thoughts, not okay to have these feelings. It's all okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have, again, that, that um, space, that ability to really go as far as you want with the adopted experience. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I find that uh, to be incredibly important um, in, order, in order to uh, have the fullest experience possible to be able to then come back and say, okay, this is where I would like to land. Mm. Yeah, I found that it's so rare yet imperative that adoptees are given permission to feel the full spectrum of their experience because a lot of times it's repressed for various reasons and it's important to uh, to just allow the flow of anger, of frustration, of feeling of non-enoughness, a feeling of resentment to to be expressed in such a way so, so it doesn't become corrosive on the spirit. I I know growing up I felt that way, but I didn't quite know how to put language to it. And then as an adult, I was angry and I didn't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I continue this work, it's about finding that lane of expression and and being able to articulate what's happening. Um, inside yourself and saying that's okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and does it have to continue in this way, where by adulthood is when you can really go, dive in and explore and get the help and you know understand? Oh, this is what I've been feeling. Oh, you know, really what you what you just shared. Uh, does it have to take that long? Because right? mm. we're talking about our lives. We're talking about missed opportunities, missed lived experiences, making making memories. Uh, because we're 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 burdened with this trauma. Um, and yes, uh, we're not able to fully articulate or comprehend what it is as we're growing up as a child and. Um, and then even as adults, like something has to happen in a way that gets us thinking about things in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then leading with that curiosity of, oh, I got to figure this out now. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's helpful in whatever way uh, for you to find uh, a way to like switch that on earlier, you know, so it, it, it's like for your, you know, your listeners, um, uh, there are some really great, um, places, programs where you can mentor younger adoptees. Mm. And so wherever you are in your journey, um, it's like, ah, let's go through this together. And if I'm in a place for myself, 
to then say, ah, oh, let's help the younger generation of adoptees get there sooner so they can live and thrive longer in their lives than we have. Oh, that's exactly right. When you said, does it have to take this long? That pierced me through because that's one of the reasons why I named my podcast when they were young, you know, because I think it is the work needs to start at a younger age. It needs to start from the very beginning. And this misconception of adoption when when kids are adopted, when they're infants, that they don't know what's happening needs to be obliterated because, because we know, the body knows, the senses know. And, and especially when it's interracial adoptions, right? That's, that's an added layer of trauma because I know growing up in a white community, I was just like, this is so obvious that I'm different. And I began to embrace my difference. Uh, and that's when my life really broke open was when I didn't try to fit in as much. But it is important to start at a young age and people need to know that. And the education needs to start with the parents and then trickle down to the child early on, as early as they can. It's a great place to just like take a pause and mm-hmm. sit with that for a while. Um, and uh, I like where you landed with focusing on the parents. And so just to dive into a little bit of the work I'm doing with parents. Um, the important thing, really there, there, there's like two important things that I talk about with them uh, to help them understand adoption trauma, mm-hmm. but then to help them understand their own trauma. Mm. Yeah. So there is this dual uh, or a parallel process of working through their trauma as they're having to work through and identify and help their child work through their trauma or really traumas. That's so powerful. That's so powerful, Moses. And that's the key, right? Because then it gets compacted, compounded when the child begins to inherit and absorb the the parent's trauma that hasn't been reckoned with, that hasn't been uh, healed. And so many children are inheriting this, this feeling of whatever it is that the parents are going through, and it's not theirs to carry. Uh, I just want to make sure that we hit up some of the activism work that you're into, and I get a glimpse of it on Instagram, and it's powerful stuff. And some of your hashtags are really interesting. Uh, can you tell me more about hashtag truth is louder, that movement? Mm, mm. Uh, yes, thank you for wanting to uh, highlight this. So the truth is louder uh, movement uh, is about um, uh, empowering adoptees to raise their voices, to share their, their stories, their truths, our truths. Mm-hmm. 
And this is something that addresses adoption as an industry where so many of us are feeling silenced and oppressed, um, where we feel in a way uh, this sense of we need to just um, say the line, I'm grateful for being adopted. Mm. And there's so much, right? What we just shared, there's so much uh, that's going on underneath. And we understand before adoption and then post-adoption. So all, you know, all the losses, all the traumas before that we experience, uh, all the losses that we experience beforehand, as well as whatever might happen uh, post-adoption with whatever family, you know, that you're adopted into. Um, And so I've found it to be really empowering to start this movement and to say, well, for those of us who want to have a platform, who want to be part of something, um, and by the way, I'm not the only one, thankfully. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, my friend, uh, uh, Jacenia Palmer at I Am Adopted, mm-hmm. she has started adopt- Adoptee Stories on Instagram as well. Um, and is just constantly putting um, Adoptee Stories and helping them raise their voices. So that's a wonderful thing. Um, and then there's also um, another new movement called uh, Not a Thing. It's a hashtag, not a thing. Um, And that's about addressing us not as commodities or objects or things that you can return or or exchange. Um, And this came out uh, with the recent news of Jong-in over in Korea Um, and, you know, her really tragic death. And then the statements from the South Korean president uh, that were more uh, focused on the adoptive parents rather than the experience of the adoptee. So, can you uh, just break down that story for those who don't know that story? Uh, yes, uh, just to highlight um, that Jung In was a 16-month-old. A Korean adoptee, domestically adopted in Korea, um, and suffered tremendous amount of abuse um, before uh, she died. Um, and that happened uh, this past October um, when the news came out about this. Um, I understand that there's been quite a bit of upheaval um, in Korea around her death. Um, And more recently, uh, President Moon Jae-in made a public statement in which he used certain terms or phrases such as, uh, if it's not a good match, just return return the child or exchange the child. Trade, the, trade in the child um, and exactly your, your reaction is that's uh, again 
coming from a, a certain perspective that children, adoptees, we are not seen as human beings, right? It's very dehumanizing. Uh, so that's where these hashtags and these movements are coming out. To, I'm not a commodity. I'm not a thing. I'm not returnable. Um, it's really important um, that we are seen and heard and validated just from being adopted. Mm -hmm. But it's also important when you add on this layer of the adoption industry and these attitudes, and it's really, it's not just attitudes, right? I mean, like this is um, uh, um, systemic, mm -hmm. uh, this is institutional. Um, so this is, um, you know, structural um, bias, you know, and it's dehumanizing um, on a large scale mm -hmm. to, um, you know, in a way of effectively keeping the adoption industry uh, sustainable. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Uh, so that's why, so that's why, and that's where uh, it, it's important to be encouraged. Uh, and I want to be careful in saying, you know, encouraged to share your story, to speak your truth, to raise your voice, to say, I'm adopted and I'm not a commodity. I'm adopted and my truth is louder than whatever the adoption industry is trying to put out there as propaganda or marketing tactics to recruit adoptive parents, to um, put a price on a life and try to say, this is okay because it's under the term adoption. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because I, over this past year, my investigative work on myself, I, I created the, the phrase, um, I am the expert of my own story, just to remind myself and, and my listeners that they have the, the ability and they have the right to tell their story the way that they deem fit, when they want to, how they want to. Mm -hmm. Because so much of my life, I felt the like I was the, um, the result of a charitable deed. And so I really wanted to flip that over and, and make a hard pivot because that is not the truth of it. And I know a lot of adoptees, especially if they're inter-country adoptees, uh, interracial adoptees feel like they are the result of a charitable deed. My mom was a missionary. She went over to Haiti and she found two little girls who are not biological and she took us back to California and when I was growing up and I would tell people my story, they would always say, oh, your mom's a saint, you know? I'm like, no, <laughs> she's a wonderful woman, but she's not that. She's just a human that did a thing, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it's, it's so important that we reclaim our own stories. Yeah. 
well, I want to tell you, or I want to ask you rather, uh, my final question, and this is the question I ask all of my guests, is where in your life can you apply courage? Mm. Where in my life can I apply courage? Um, I find myself um, uh, getting into these spaces and conversations. I find myself, uh, as you just have shared, um, my own story, uh, my own accounts of being a child abuse survivor um, and a suicide loss survivor. Um, and it's, um, you know, really uh, wonderful to receive so much support and words of encouragement and validation that uh, in doing so, is demonstrating courage. Um, and so I'm fully embracing this at this point, Glenise, mm. as an adoptee, as an Asian adoptee, as a transracial adoptee, as a Korean adoptee, as a disabled adoptee, there's just so many different layers to my identity that um, I'm recognizing it's really important at this point for me to be raising my voice, um, to be inspired by others who are also doing the same and really join the ranks um, in understanding that we are, and this is something I'd like to point out, that we are the present day historians for the future of adoptees. Mm. So what we do today and how we live and how we advocate for ourselves, how we come together, how we create these spaces as you have here, you know, um, it's all the little or large building blocks to really creating the foundation of our adoptee culture and our stories based on our stories, based on our truths, based on um, our uh, lived experiences, based on what we're creating, based on our passions, just based on all these things that make a vibrant a uh, lively culture um, and to have that be a foundation that we can create today for future generations of adoptees. Uh, so they can, as we said before, live and thrive mm -hmm. for long, you know, for as long as they can, as early as they can. Yeah. Well, the listeners have to find you. Where can they find you and, and follow your work and activism? Mm. Uh, I would love to connect uh, with anybody and everybody, all your listeners, uh, online, social media, Facebook, 
Uh, I have um, surviving adoption Facebook group. Um, and that's another community type of space. Um, I, I also have uh, Moses Farrow for mental health. That's my Facebook page. Um, and on Instagram, they can find me on my personal account, Moses A. Farrow, uh, as well as Adoption Trauma, as well as My Truth is Louder. So those three are on, in, in, on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter. I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, so I also have a website, MosesFarrow.com. And soon coming out, uh, and maybe, you know, by, by the time uh, this, this podcast goes out, um, uh, there will be truthislouder.org. Okay, awesome. Yes. That's great. You are busy. <laughs> We're all busy. <laughs> I love it, though. You are busy changing the world and and impacting the adoption community in indelible ways. So thank you. Well, thank you. Here are my reflections. In order to come back to yourself, you have to do the work first and lead with curiosity. Ask why. Why do you repeat the same patterns or find yourself in the same situations Ask yourself whether you are done being stuck in these patterns. Surround yourself with others who are in the same place as you are so that you don't feel alone and your feelings are validated. Seek professional help, which can help create a safe space for reflection. Give adoptees space to feel the full spectrum of their experience. And finally ask, does it have to take this long? Can the work start earlier with the parents leading? This was such a nourishing conversation. Go ahead and look up Moses on social media. He's very active and stay connected with all the work that he's up to. This was such great stuff. Thank you, Moses. And thank you for listening. Another beautiful episode. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to my guest today. If you liked this episode, the best way to support me and this work is to write an iTunes review, a five-star review. <laughs> this helps us reach the top of searches and helps more people to find us. And if you personally want to connect, please reach out on Instagram or Facebook. And I have some great resource material on my website at laniceantoinshelly.com. So go on over there too. Until next we meet, go gently and have courage, my love.